Hey, welcome back to E-Crime Bites, Season 2, Episode 5. This is the lawyer, Justin Scott, spying on his former law firm. We're in Act 3 now, and this is about Justin Scott coming clean. So, to catch you up real fast, Justin Scott and Charles Bratton were partners. They split for whatever reason. Either he, Justin Scott quit or was fired. There was a new person working there with Justin Scott's computer a year later. And Justin Scott presumably logged into that computer a year later to view data on his former firm. And we left you with that cliffhanger of, you know, the, the investigation was rolling and basically all the arrows pointed to Justin Scott. And we're getting to the point now where Justin Scott just says, all right, you know, he's going to come clean. And before he did that though, because you, you most people, they don't just come clean on the first questioning, Seth. They don't just say, hey, did you do this? Ah, oh, fuck, you caught me. You know, it doesn't ever really work that way. It usually is, did you do this? No. Did you do this? Eh, might have been in the vicinity. Did you do this? Could have possibly been me. And it's usually a progression like that. And you're going to see that in this case, too. So it starts with Justin Scott testifying that, hey, when I was at Bratton, I use TeamViewer. And if you wonder why you say testify, this is in the disciplinary uh, hearing that we'll talk about at the very end of this. So this is where we get our evidence from. So he said, while at Breton, I use TeamViewer. It was okay. He said it was provided by Breton's IT company, Able Technologies, and he claimed Able Technologies themselves installed the TeamViewer application with Charles Breton's knowledge, which is a pretty strong claim. Um, and there's, you know, testimony to the fact that all what I just read to you is true. And so he goes on further to say, not only did Bratton install it, but Bratton should have payment records of this application because it's commercial software. It costs money. Right. And he said, look for bills for team viewer from able technologies. And Justin Scott even says, Hey, I even have two emails showing that this happened. And here are the emails. I'm just going to read these emails for you because they're very short. The first one is in August 18th, 2017. And it simply says, can you turn my computer on so I can access it remotely? Thanks. Somebody from Able Technologies replies and says, it is on. And then Justin Scott says, can you turn on my team viewer? And says team viewer is not running, but Able Technologies never actually replied from that. And then a year later is the second email, July 18th of 2018. And this is from Able Technology just stating, Justin, I would like to start your new laptop configuration this afternoon. Would this work for you? If not, please let me know a good day and time. My opinion, there's nothing in there that says TeamViewer was authorized by Able. It just not says Justin Scott asking for TeamViewer to be on there. So... Take that for what it's worth. Okay, so what was Able's response on this? So remember, Able Technology is a third party that was used to kind of be the IT provider you know, basis for the Bratton Law Firm. They confirmed that it had no record of ever in having installed or worked with TeamViewer at that firm. And specifically, their spokesperson, I guess who was their head there, this guy, Mr. Minker, testified on behalf of Able Technology 
And he stated that his company had provided information technology services to the Bratton firm since 2017. He confirmed that his company does not regularly use TeamViewer and did not install TeamViewer on any of Bratton's office computers. So further, he confirmed that his company had not installed TeamViewer on respondents' personal computers either. I guess the idea would be that they did some of that work to really make it super uh, accessible for certain users. So there's really no factual basis to say that the Bratton firm knew about it or authorized it in any way, shape, or form. So Maker also confirmed that he reviewed Able Technologies' business records, and there was no written documentation of having ever installed TeamView on any Bratton office computer or ever being paid to do so. Specifically, in, his def- uh, in a December 2020 letter to Bratton, uh, maker of Able mentioned, I've searched our database of charges and found no reference to us ever installing or working with TeamViewer at your company until the issue arose regarding the unauthorized access, um, you know, by, by, by our, our defendant here, well, <laughs> our lawyer friend here. So this is a big problem for, uh, you know, for, for everybody, right? Able Technologies inspection of the respondent's former desktop revealed that it was a free version of TeamViewer that had been installed and it was not licensed for commercial use. So Able Technology provided three reasons why they would never install TeamViewer. First, the free version is not licensed for commercial use, so they would never use it. Second, they already have a licensed enterprise grade and audit enabled remote access solution on all company computers that they use specifically for remote support and can share with users that need remote access. And third, they would not set up any access based on a user's personal account, team viewer or otherwise, which makes sense, right? The whole point is to not allow somebody to log in on their personal computer to go access a corporate machine. That's generally a no-no. On a cross-examination, Minker acknowledged that although the logs revealed that the respondent had access to his former desktop computer during and subsequent to his employment with the firm, those same logs did not reveal who had actually ever installed TeamViewer on the respondent's former office desktop, meaning there's no evidence that Able had done that. So on December 10th, 2019, the computer forensic company had a report. The report basically said that by using TeamViewer, Justin Scott was able to view data within this Time Matters program, and I'll get back to that in a second, or any other application on the desktop and anywhere the desktop was authorized to go, like the firm's file servers and any other type of server you can imagine that they would need. They also tried to figure out if he copied files while he was connected via TeamViewer and found that he had not done so. so this time matters program from what i understood in my research it's kind of like a a calendaring program and you can kind of boil it down maybe it's the easiest way of thinking about it it's kind of like a glorified outlook if you use microsoft outlook in order to you know record things you're doing with clients you know make meetings with your coworkers, and basically just manage your your whole time management process of your firm So it would be competitive knowledge for somebody to access the Time Matters program if he didn't work there because then he would know what type of clients and meetings that Bratton would have, right? And that's exactly what was done in this case. So on March 23rd of 2020, 
Justin Scott sort of changes his tune and says, all right, I accessed it, but it was accidental. Justin Scott now claims that TeamViewer was used at his new firm. And because of that, and because TeamViewer was used at his old firm, reportedly, he accidentally clicked the wrong portal. So if you can imagine, you kind of log in. If you log in to one area, it would have his brand new law firm, the picture we showed you at the beginning of this podcast. But if you were to click on the other icon or log into the other um, account, it would then give you the Bratton Law Firm. Both TeamViewer, but they're just different views or different accounts of what he could access. So he's saying, I thought I was in my new firm and I started clicking around and access some stuff and I found out that I was actually in Bratton's. He said he had no need or intention to access the Bratton computers and he kept this portal, meaning this extra connection back to the Bratton firm through TeamViewer and I'm really trying to make this not technical, but this like other button, you can think of it as sort of like this other way of getting in. He kept it even though he left this other firm because he thought maybe he would have to service some of the clients from the Bratton law firm in the future that followed him to his new firm, which seems kind of weird that he would still keep access, but that's his explanation. Now we jump to August 24th of 2020. And now we have Justin Scott saying, all right, it was actually intentional. He says, I was trying to build my new practice. When I was in his computer, I was mostly interested in seeing how Mr. Bratton's practice was doing. I think it's fair to say that each and every login by me was to see what I could learn regarding Mr. Bratton's calendar and who was referring business to him. Typically, I would search specific names to see which professionals were referring clients to him. When I went to Mr. Bratton's system, I often checked the calendar day by day to see what his activities were. I would also go through the various staff members to see who was busy and who wasn't. I had no intention of removing or copying anything of value. My goal was to sit on my couch and compare Mr. Bratton's week to mine. I also searched Matt's email a few times to see what other professionals had emailed to him. And that was Bravet that we talked about. Yeah, earlier. my bullshit meter is going off here for a few things. First of all, once you start getting into looking at someone's email, obviously that tends to carry a lot of different things. If you're a partner at a law firm, like anyone else at a professional, probably has hundreds, thousands of emails to go through. They have a lot of access to a lot of things. So that's scary. Also brings several issues about their clear lack of security controls at that firm. But this clearly goes to, I think, what Scott was trying to establish, which was, well, whose clients were his? So I think in any kind of business, identifying and segregating, oh, that's a client I brought in versus that's a client you brought in, is very rarely a very um, easy and identifiable thing. It's probably often very gray area, but whoever kind of controls, I guess, the database that states who gets, I guess, the credit, so to speak, for that client controls things. and. I'm quite sure there was a difference of opinion there. That's probably why he left. So I don't want to get too far into conjecturing here, but I'm pretty sure there's a whole bunch of detail in this case that we'd love to learn about identifying the real source of the problems between Scott and Brighton and why they went from having a larger firm where Scott was an associate to a separate you know, a new firm where Scott was a named partner on the firm to suddenly being out in a relatively short amount of time with a short lawyer 
probably ties to some overpromises being made on you know being able to bring in clients in the elder law space and i guess massive disagreements on who actually had originated work yep and with that that's the finale of act three and we're gonna we're setting you up for a last act which is punishment is served in act four so if you liked anything in what you heard or saw please on whatever application you're watching this or listening to this on like us subscribe to us and if you're on apple Podcasts specifically please give us a five-star review and just you know say anything nice that you want to say it helps us move up the charts there and that's one of our biggest sources of audio listeners at about half of our listeners and those those ratings just help us move up the charts we would appreciate that so with that do come back tomorrow and we're gonna get right into how the punishment is served thanks